with Daniel. How's it going? Not bad. I have shaken off an illness that dogs me for a month. A month? What, what, what kind of plague did you have? Unclear. Waiting to find out. Strange readings from my liver, which hopefully is that I had a virus so my liver was doing weird shit rather than my liver was doing weird shit making me think I had a virus. Right. And weirdly, it let me off for a couple of the weekends. So I actually had a couple of good weekends while being ill for a month. So you're like, my liver's failing, so I'm going to absolutely fucking pound it while, while I feel a little bit better. <laughs> At that point, I didn't know I had a liver situation. I am now, I am now signed off thirst quenching until the liver values return to normal, though. Oh, dear. Well, yeah, that's it. You, you don't want it to be sexual of nature or, or alcohol of nature, do you? What am I going to do at synagogue if I can't, if I can't drink? That's, <laughs> that is, that's the question on everybody's lips. But yeah, we're, we're good. The football appears to be starting again. It does. It seems to have come around quickly. Or maybe, I don't know, I'm getting old, so time is moving fast, as it does, doesn't it? But uh, yes, we're, we're this, fully back into early, it now. This early is unusual. There haven't been many charity shields as early as this one. Yeah, is this still a hangover from the World Cup? We've compressed it so we can... I really don't know. Anyway, it, it does seem like a week earlier than normal, doesn't it? But United uh, got eight preseason games in of uh, mixed variety and quality, I would say. A couple over the weekend. Basically, the first team at Old Trafford yesterday against Lons and then the fringe players and some kids against Athletic Bilbao in Dublin, which I'm sure everyone who paid €75 Euros to go to that game was fully enjoying watching the stiffs and not the main the main crew. I don't know. I mean, what number one, what did you expect? Well, quite, yeah. In the There was a game the day before at Old Trafford. The season starts in a week, and the manager is going to pick the players that he thinks are the, that he's going to do what he thinks is right. Yeah, and if you support United, then you should be behind that. Not wow, wow, wow! I want to see my favouritest ever player. <laughs> when the manager has decided that that's not conducive to getting the team where he wants to be for a competitive game that takes place just over a week from now. No, so I, I understand why it'd be why it would be annoying, but I don't totally understand why there'd be anything beyond that. Obviously, you'd prefer to see the first team, but you either support United or you don't. And if yeah. you support United, then at this point, you've got to think that the manager's concerns are more important than yours. And I think he's he's obviously got his plan. I'm sure this was the teams he was going to pick this weekend was decided some time ahead. I mean, they've had a they've had a it's a it's been what felt like a very long preseason with a lot of games, a good amount of training in in the states. They had a single base in San Diego, which meant they did a lot of flying around, but good training facilities. And they seem to be just about ready to go. They they were right yesterday against Lons, I thought. I mean, played some good stuff. Bruno, a lot of Hollywood balls. Mount quiet at number eight. But I guess that's kind of what we expect of him, really. But, but yeah, everyone seems to say, we kind of, I think that's the first team, isn't it? It won't divert from that too much for the game against Wolves in, what, uh, nearly a week's time or just over a week. Yeah. Yeah. Because Rasmus Hoyland I is mean, not fit, apparently. So he will not be signed this season. Back to the friendly, though. €75 Euros is a ludicrous and unacceptable amount to charge for whoever's playing. And that that's a, that's the, that's the problem, not who Tenach decides to pick. But, yeah, I think that... I agree with you that we've played some good stuff in pre-season and you can see that how things are going to improve. We're not going to be worse than last season. We're going to be better. We're going to be quite a lot better. The question ultimately is is how much better. And I agree with you. I mean, I think maybe it will be Dallow against Wolves just because of the way they're likely to play. But I think that Wan-Bissaka will probably be the first choice fullback. I would have personally flogged whichever one of them I could get money for and yes. for an actual good right back with yes. what I had. Yes. But, if you do the although, radars on those two players, on Dallow and Wambasaka, combine them together and they look like a good fullback. But <laughs> the glaring weaknesses were there over the over the summer, I thought. I mean, actually, Wambasaka made a lot of mistakes this summer. Some some half-decent ball carrying, which he does do, actually, if you look at his numbers. He carries the ball well, just doesn't use it very well when he's got it. And then Dallow uses the ball much better, but makes mistakes, including the one where he passed it sideways into no man's land 
for Nana to get chipped. Which I was like, when I saw that, we're like, "Mm, are we going to see that a few times this season? Well, part of me is almost pleased we saw it there, just because law of averages suggests that we're not going to see too many players hit the target from halfway, I would say. And there's number one, there's that. And also just it's a reminder that the game done changed for the players that have been used to De Gea. And it's good to have an embarrassing reminder when it doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. Well, United are so open now and, and trying to compress the pitch so much that there, there definitely is going to be space behind and there will be opportunities there. And then giving the ball away in your own defensive third is like the most criminal thing you can possibly do in this Ten Hag side if they're going to play this way. And we've had two games in two days where two players have done exactly that. Dallo against Lons and old Gary Maguire against Athletic Bilbao and both have cost United goals. I mean, just... Harry did some I decent just, stuff in this game. I mean, he got an assist, so it was actually a, I, a nice I, ball back. We've but. been saying it. We've been saying it for quite some time. It's not pleasant to see or to say he's he's gone as a United player. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't it, mean that he's rubbish, and it doesn't even mean that he couldn't occasionally do something good for United. But someone you can rely on at any stage. He looks mentally shot and has done for a long time. And I would basically move him on for whatever money I could get for him because, for whatever reason, the kind of unwanted attention that you get from Maguire is just not something that's necessary when there's generally good vibes around the squad. A player who can't, who dickheads who are meant to support United will boo while the game's proceeding. Yeah, that and, is ridiculous, yeah. I mean, any adult who consciously or subconsciously, in fact, forms their mouth into a circle and goes, boo, really <laughs> wants to think about the choices that they've made in life. But that'd be one thing. That's like the actual concept of booing itself. You're entitled to give shit to the players in some way. But I don't, it feels like giving it to Harry Maguire when things are going quite well just feels like he doesn't, I don't feel like he deserves it particularly. No, I don't he, look, he doesn't. Yeah. And I do think, I do think you have a, a good point around he looks gone. Like his concentration does look gone. I don't think he's fully focused. And I, I'm just going to presume that behind the scenes they are working on a sale. I mean, obviously we had that bid from West Ham. Wasn't enough. Wouldn't cover United's FFP costs. So I think it would have to go up a notch or two for United to do a deal there. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some work being done because he's going to he's going to start five Premier League games if he doesn't go. And surely in the Euro Championship year, he doesn't want that either. So it's not good for him, not good for United. And he just... He just needs a fr- he needs a fresh start. He needs to go somewhere and not be someone who people are looking at. And it will happen that every time he plays, people are waiting for him to make a bollocks. And yeah, yeah, he needs to do it where the glare is less. I think so. I mean, um, I hope for his own sake that he that he gets the move, but also United need shot of him too. I'm fully behind giving shit to to players and managers, but in the right context, You're not your own player when he's playing at home. I was at fourth division cup final yesterday here in the the States. And uh, the opposition manager was a Brit, actually, Chris Wally, who's, you could say, slightly rotund. And he got the full (laughs) 90 minutes of abuse because at that level, you're very close. (laughs) The the poor guy lost it in the end and was chucking bottles around and had his head in his hands, which was most enjoyable to see. I used to have a season ticket in the South Stand. I was right next to... They've swapped the dugouts around now, of course. But I was right next to the away dugout. Uh, and honestly, that was as good a sport as United, watching United sometimes, giving as much abuse as possible to the away team. I feel bad about even admitting to this, but when I was on my year off, and I was in Israel, my gap year, and uh, Watford played a team comprised of the two Petach Tikva teams, Petach Tikva being a town in Israel. And they played a select 11 just an end of season piss up. Not sure. I think they were just in Israel on the piss, actually, because happen <laughs> right. to know the owners of the bar. They did a lot of their booze in that. But they played this game against Petrovic. So a group of us went, probably about 15 boys. And Graham Taylor was the manager of Watford at the time. And obviously, it wasn't that long since he was England manager. So there was a lot of turn it, what's the score, and all the rest of it, where he obviously thought he was coming to Israel and like this was not possible. To the point where um, we eventually got interviewed live on television. And uh, they came up to me and said, why do you support Watford? So I said I didn't, but point, pointed them in the direction of someone stood next to me who did. who was wearing a Watford shirt. And at that point, 
someone may or may not, while he was on live television, have scrunched his balls in like Vinnie Jones to Gaza style. <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> on, on live television, yeah. So, which, yeah, his face because we thought someone recorded it, and we did later see the video of the face that his face made, and it will be burned on my eyeballs for the remainder of time. <laughs> Oh, you want but, to get that video and uh, distribute it on the internet, don't you? I, I, I would love to see it again. But yeah, I mean, I, Graham Taylor obviously was a mensch, but so I guess feel slightly bad for that now. But at the time, yeah, it was just obviously that that England situation of like, do I not like that and yeah. all the rest of it? Yeah. Where, I mean, it's absolutely nuts that they gave him that job. I mean, at the time he got the job, I think I was 11 and I knew it was nuts that they gave yeah. that job to Graham Taylor. Yeah, the FA's done that. I mean, obviously we're diverting off topic here, but the FA's done that a few times. I mean, Ron Greenwood instead of Brian Clough. Yeah. And then I, mean, I uh, don't remember that one. Oh, but... Big old Sam for one game. That was an odd decision. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> so odd. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they, they, they weren't. Was it not Big Sam or Big H? Was it not him or Redknapp at the time? I, I don't know. I can't remember. I think honestly. That they decide, yeah. that and they decided it? that they couldn't rely on Redknapp's integrity. So they went for Sam. Was that not? <laughs> well, you definitely can't rely on Redknapp's integrity, allegedly. I, I guess taking a bung is somewhat out of the game now. It's it's done through uh, different yeah, means. Yeah, but no, the days. thing with Redknapp, it's not even bungs. Bungs in football is, especially at the time that Redknapp's that would have started being involved in that kind of activity, was in a way, the, the manager's way of getting paid more fairly for their endeavours. I, je- I, I don't feel... So with, with Fergie and Cleverson and Jemba Jemba, like those, those buys that Michael... Forland, that Michael could pointed out, looked slightly iffy when he did his BBC, his, his BBC programme. Yeah. I, I don't feel that badly towards Fergie for doing that, although it did... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't as unbad as... George Graham's backhand that he got fired for, say, because that was literally just money, not polluting yeah. the team with absolute donkeys like Fergie did. <laughs> but you can kind of rationalise it as their way of making sure that they got paid slightly more fairly because they weren't getting paid fairly. The thing that makes Redknapp reprehensible, at least, is promise is the, the property developments, promising to build social housing, not doing it, and just making even more money than you were making already. So, yeah, yeah I think that feel like that's probably my major grudge with Harrods Redknapp. All right. Back to back to United. Yeah, yeah, we'll cut we should maybe we should do a grudge of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what did we get yesterday? We got yesterday was Rashford, Anthony and Casemiro scored and Polistri today. I mean I'm guessing with Polistri where there's a decision to make about whether he's going to stay in the squad or not. It, it seems like Ten Hag sort of likes him and there is a balance issue on the right-hand side. So you could understand why he might want to keep one of him or Ahmad around the squad. I'm not sure it's good for either of them to get 10 games a year, though. Yeah, I, I, so Ahmad, I, I was told from people inside the club last season that they thought Ahmad was not a United player, probably a championship-level player. I've heard subsequently through Sunderland that his sort of might be a Premier League player, but not a United player. He does have nice skill, but I think he lacks, I'm told, he lacks a bit of self-confidence, a bit of just that nastiness and belief in yourself that you need. And he, he at the moment, I think he's, he's, slightly, he's slightly Hollywood-ish that he might score brilliant goals, but he's not creating that many goals the rest of the time. Mm. Whereas Polistri, I think, I agree with you that he's something that we don't have in the squad, really. A winger wants to go on the outside and, and can do it and can do it down both flanks and go either way down both flanks. Yeah. We don't have that. And I thought we might actually see more of him than we did last season. So he, he and because when he played, he looked like a good player. Mm. The question, as you say, is, is he best served being sort of sometimes on the bench and coming on when you're in dire need of a goal or perhaps a count or perhaps for the counter? Versus going somewhere, getting a proper season mm. and seeing if at the end of that season he's someone... Because if he is good enough to be at United, if he, goes, if he gets the right loan, his value will go up if you want to sell him, whatever happens. So I don't yeah. know. I'll be tempted to keep him. But if the right loan came, I'd probably... Yeah. probably I don't sure he's going to do him any good going down to the Championship or something like that. I mean, he spent two seasons at Alaves, sort of in and out of the team and not a great quality team either so the right line is a, is a good question same is true of Hannibal 
we saw today. I mean, I do think that it's that if Fred is definitely going, which I, I assume he's definitely going if they get the right fee, and maybe McTominay. I mean, obviously, he's a different player than McTominay. There's going, they're going to need numbers in central midfield, and that may force the kind of keep him in the squad. He's definitely good enough to play at Premier League level. He had a great season at Birmingham. It's just he has to knock on a little bit more, and and it depends whether they want to play him at eight or ten. He played bits of both last season, and he can do both clearly. So Hannibal is another one who I was told from the club inside the club last year that he was not a Premier League player; that he was a Championship player, and I don't, I hadn't seen that. I thought he, from what I'd seen, I thought he was better than that. But at the same time, you have to defer to people who's job it is to make those kind of decisions such that maybe he's better than the championship player but for it to be got so badly wrong that he's not just a championship but he's actually a united player yeah it just seems it just seems so unlikely so i'm quite dubious about hannibal just for that reason that people who see much more of him than i have who are much more expert than i am came to that conclusion about him I feel like I'm not really in a position to say, well, actually, I think he's good enough for us because I don't feel like I've seen enough evidence to overrule people with far yeah. greater expertise than me. But I agree with, like, agree with, until I obviously volunteered this, I agree, I felt, I would have felt like you did before someone told me that. Yeah. So, no, I mean, that's fair enough. And, and it's very, you know, like, it's kind of stupid to make a judgment on 45 minutes today and a few and a few halves here and there in the preseason. But I mean, it looks technically better than a championship player for, for sure. I, I, whether the other part, the mental side of the game, the, the attitude, uh, which we know has been spiky over the years and seems to have, I'd see, it seems that the rough edges seem but to be rounded good. off that. So. But him, I would, I would not keep around. Him, I would definitely, I would definitely loan. I try and get a Premier League loan for him, and I think after that, you'd have a good idea of what his yeah. level was. I think it was so, more yeah, in the I'd post sort of Brexit rush to get a few players in and fill out the academy before before the new rules came in. It is kind of interesting watching it during the summer. Like City have sold three players now, about twenty million. Which it's remarkable who stuff. No and it's, one's ever, who no one's ever heard of. I know. Well, like I think the most minutes any of the three, the James Trafford and the guy who went to. Oh, I'm just going to forget all the names now, so I won't even bother trying. But I think they'd had 27 minutes between them of first team football, and it's all down to the reputation of City's academy, which is has a very high reputation for producing bit. players. But it's a bit of that, and it's a bit of the people that were signing them are associated with City. That is true as well. So either have better intel on how good these lads could be or something that I don't know. I don't know what the other the alternative to that is, but maybe so. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, it definitely wouldn't be like City for money be, to be funneled indirectly into the bank accounts of someone else, would it? I mean, definitely wouldn't do anything like that. I mean, there's, there's just choices. I mean, the whole point about this was the choices to be made about some of the fringe players. And we know the first teamers who they're looking to sell. I mean, they would take money for Harry Maguire, for Fred, probably for McTominay, given that he just won't play that often, given that he's not like his energy and his ability to run directly and score a few goals. Great. But his passing ability is just not 10 hardball, is it? So they definitely I take think, money for those three. Yeah, he's someone you might want in the kind of the cups early on that you could put in and would do you would do you a good job in the, in those games that would enable you to stay in the cups while resting your regulars. Yeah, but is that enough to, to turn down twenty thirty million for him? It probably depends a little bit on what the prognosis is with Kobe Mainu. Yeah. Yeah, because, and we haven't been given um, a timeline. Just the first part of the season, they said with his ankle injury. Although it is worth noting that in his program notes yesterday, Ten Hag again shouted him out. Yeah, that he he obviously loves him and sees. And actually, I was thinking, gosh, such a sad boss. When I was in bed last night, I was thinking that actually, because you know, I, you know, I always said that Mount, I think, is a good player. He wasn't someone I'd coveted. And I didn't think he was the kind of the kind of oh, we have to call it a profile now, don't we? The profile of player that I would have gone for. But truth is, is that at the start of not at the start of next season, he might he might be a reserve anyway. Because if Mainu gets the kind of time that Ten Hag seems to want to give him, yeah, it feels like that that number eight slot is gonna is gonna be his before very long, and it will be yeah. 
Casemiro, say, or Amrabat, if we were to sign him, Bruno and him might be your first choices in that in that position, just because Mainu can feel like Mainu can give you more things that aren't in the team than Mount can. Well, he's a very rounded player, and we saw that. And, and Ten Hag has got a proper semi for him. Yeah, he loves him, loves him. Just clearly, yeah, good reason. He's he's technically good, round, physically good, good range of passing. He's got all the kind of raw materials you want for a, a player to really make it. And and the rest, the rest is coaching and the individual player and that we don't know so much about but yeah definitely looks like uh, and the and, things and, the things go on. no no and and just the the fact that the club haven't said how long and i i don't and they haven't even said what what the nature of the ankle injury is whether it's soft tissue or or ligaments and that will make a difference to to how long but they haven't said out for six months so it looks like this this side of 2023 which means they'll, they've got to keep him around anyway. And hopefully he's back in the autumn. Yeah. And his name also fits very nicely to a song that gets sung in synagogue that uh, we may or may not hear here hear in the ground at some point or on this podcast even. All right. You, you're proposing a new Kobe Mainu song. I, I am. The problem is, is this particular song comes in various different tunes. But yeah, for those who, those who are familiar, Enkel Okelu and Kobe Mainu, whichever tune you want to sing. Should we do it? Should we? Okay, let's go. Let's do this one. You do it. We, go we've on. got Kobe Mainu. We've 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 got Kobe Mainu. And it carries on in similar pulsating vein. What I like about Kobe Mainu is actually almost things that you can't measure: the swagger in possession, the weight of pass that is really hard to measure. But the weight and the timing of the pass also, in particular, I think are really beautiful. And you can't teach that kind of thing. And in that aspect, he reminds me of the really best version of Anderson, where he's got that ability to barrel through midfield. But where the point at which he releases the ball is what makes it makes it all worthwhile. Mm. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see more of him. And on the subject of Mason Mount, I was sort of thinking, I don't know, this never occurred to me before, but it sort of sounds like a position one might find in a lodge. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Mason Mount. Behold, and we're going to sh- maybe it's done while shaking hands in a curious way. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. And then, Rolling one leg. Then up. I was thinking Mason Mount during the course of the season is going to contort himself into some kind of position at some point, and we're going to say that is the Mason Mount. And then all of us in our minds with our significant others are going to be getting yeah, be thinking about it, this. Yeah, and we're yeah. going to be this is the Mason Mount. And we then, at that point, have to either inform that person that actually this is the Mason Mount or message our favourite United podcast to let us know. Awesome. Yeah. So we know what Dan will be thinking about when, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. Does your other half listen to this here podcast? Um, don't be silly. <laughs> no. I mean, it's sort of, there was, that, there was a point in my, in my life where I, was watching too much, where I was watching too much MMA and you find yourself thinking... Am I going to move into side control from Mount here? The, the Mason Mount, we'll, we'll know it when we see it. But if you think you see it, send us a message and we should adjudicate whether the Mason Mount has been located. Very good. Uh, a word for Alejandro Garnacho as well. Didn't didn't start all the pre-seasons, but it's featured quite a bit. Beautiful way to pass for Anthony's goal yesterday, I thought. And he's just so direct. I'm talking to some of the data around Garnacho, and I know like, data talk is pretty boring really but one of the interesting things is his progressive runs as in the amount of forward runs he makes number one in europe not just under 23s any player with with and without the ball yeah he's just so direct it doesn't mean he's putting in a lot of actually he's a little bit lower on the the passing side of things but he's just yeah he's more direct than anyone in his position in Europe, and I think, and and Ten Hag has called that out. Also talked about Rasmus Hoyland for that. I think he likes players who are just straightforward. And and Mason, and sorry, and Garnacho really is. I mean, I'm assuming that it's going to shake out as he's effectively Rashford's understudy and/or first pick on the left if Rashford's going to play through the middle for the first part of the season. So, I yeah, and we'll see how much he's developed from last season because for all the kind of exciting moments that Garnacho had last season. I don't think he really had a great season. It's not like there were a lot of great performances. There were moments. And I, I think we're looking for a step ahead. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, I would caveat what you said about he didn't have that much scope for great performances. He saved our asses quite a few times, yeah. though. And the ability to do what he did with the amount of time that he played, it's just you don't forget that he's playing. When he's on the pitch, you right. better watch out. He, he's a threat. And I thought that the last time he played, he started the game, because obviously he got injured. The last time he started the game, was, I think it might... I think it might have been a cup game, was his best performance starting because previously he'd struggled a little bit when playing a 90. But whenever it was, a, his last performance was good. And then I would have picked him for the cup final because there was no way I felt able to rely on Sancho. And just if I'm that City defender, I definitely don't want to mark him. He just seems very unpleasant to have to play against. And he just has most of the attributes. He's got ridiculous pace. And I hope in the bid to strengthen him up a bit, they're careful because you don't want to lose just any aspect of that pace because right. at the moment, he's faster than almost everyone. Yeah. And if you bulk him up and he loses just a bit, then he'll still be quick, but there'll be defenders who could catch him who couldn't before. And I'd be inclined to rely on the speed and trickery to get him out of trouble rather and let him fill out rather than try and really like build him up with the Guinness and the weights or whatever it is they do these days. <laughs> and I... I don't think it's the but Guinness. I said, I said on, I said on Twitter the other day that if I was Rashford, I'd be really thinking really hard about how to play centre forward, because and same as I said with Maynou, I think he's going to become undroppable very quickly. I know it's only pre-season, but we're seeing it now. The the question, I mean, look, Garnacho's ceiling's obviously really, really high, and and that could be true. He's also he would have to add a lot more goals than he. Uh, currently gets, I think, in order to really push Rashford out. I mean, assuming Rashford has hit his his new sort of level and we're going to, if we see another 30-goal season from him, he's obviously undroppable. But look, there's good balance. There are a lot of forwards at United now and, and that's why there's some pause for, well, are some of them going to leave? Sancho's an interesting one as well because, I mean, he's got no space in the team, has he, if he's going to play off the left with Rashford and Garnacho ahead of him. He's played almost exclusively as a forward this summer, either a false nine or it just very directly up front today. And he was doing interesting things in that he was actually running beyond the final defender in the manner that a, a forward would, not just he dropping looks, into the hole. He looks like he's lost a bit of weight, I think, and has got a bit quicker over the summer. And you can see exactly what it is with Sancho. Ten Huff does not want to sell him. Yeah. He probably would if he got offered a serious amount of money. But he's trying to find a way of using him because he knows that that kind of ability is not something you chuck away easily. Yeah, this is it for him. This is he's got to find something this season. It's hard to see where he gets into the team on a regular basis because it feels like there are other players who whose skill sets are just are just better than his. Although he might have softer feet than Garnacho and Rashford, their package of speed and strength and decisiveness is outweighs his I think but he's got there's a spot in the squad for him if he has a good season as a utility forward for sure right but he can play left right in the hole or up front now so and 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 in midfield and in midfield well we don't see midfield yeah yeah push but he's got a he's he's not going to get that many chances at the beginning of the season so when he comes on he's gonna have to he's gonna have to take advantage of that and he knows and he'll know as well he's behind Garnacho because He's been, he's been fucked off to Ireland today, and well, that show yes. has not. Yes. yes, there's no, there's no, there's no starker, there's no starker announcement as to where he stands in things. But he's still at the club, so yeah, I really, what? I like him. I like, lo- I love, I love the stuff that he can do. They need to get him doing the stuff that only he can do. A bit nearer goal, I think. But he, yeah, he, he's got, he's got a chance. But yeah, this is it for him. Yeah, the the balance of who, I mean, especially in that sort of number 10 role, that's obviously Bruno's. I didn't like the time that Mount played there and Bruno played wide in one of the preseason games. I think it was against Dortmund, if I remember correctly. I really hope we don't see that very often. That that compromises two positions in one. Mount is not a particularly creative number 10 and, and Bruno playing wide is not awesome. I don't think we'll see it very often, but there's an opportunity there because Ericsson just looks off it. He looks so off it at the moment. I don't know whether it's still fallout from being injured. He's just not quite sharp. His legs are gone. I don't know what it is. He has not had a good preseason. He's worked himself out of the team. He's now behind Mount 
he's now behind Bruno for number 10. He's now behind Mount for number eight. Uh, he might well be behind, be behind Sancho for number 10 as well. Uh, and I'm not quite sure what uh, Ericsson's role in the team is. Uh, you know, you've, I... there you've got Sancho and Ericsson both on absolutely mega wages. There's absolutely no chance of either of them leaving because the package is just too big, um, especially with Sancho. So Ten Hag is going to find have to find a role for them. And it, it, it looks like they're sort of squad utility players, but... They they feel like too good to be like bench players for the whole year, but it, that looks most likely. I mean, I think Ericsson, if he's prepared to accept it, has a role as a late sub, either when you're looking to get a goal because his ability to deliver, yeah, is important, and he's not going to tire, and he's got composure on the ball. And similarly, if you're trying to see something out, he, you might think about bringing him on because he'll help you keep the ball. Yeah, he might not help you defend, but. I he think, yeah, he'll he Ericsson will know he'll he'll know that Mount's been signed to take his place. Like, yeah. It's it's obvious. So he he'll have, I I would expect that Ericsson will not be at United next season because yeah. at his age he's going to want to play and he's not going to get enough playing time. He was someone who we signed because he was free and he did a good job for us more or less last season. But yeah, yeah, he, he's not he's he's not going to get a season after this. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, the summer's left us with a. I think I mean, it's clearly a better squad than it was last year. He he's looked at three positions we needed to strengthen in goal, in central midfield, and up front. We've got it's definitely a compromise. I'm sure he would have preferred Harry Kane to a youngster with nine goals to his name. I'm sure he probably wanted. Well, he wanted both, didn't he? I'm sure he'd really? love both if if United had, had the money, but we don't, and Spurs don't seem to want to play ball there. The story that I, the story that some people are peddling that if Harry Kane is available, United will find the money for him, is one that I've heard from a few places too. They they could do it with one thirty million pound sale, like the way FFP works. They'd have to do that again for the next two years, but it's possible. Like the finances are possible. United are doing this all on the company credit card anyway, basically line of credit. But the cash flow is stronger than it's ever been. So there's like FFP is a problem, but it's not insurmountable. Just look at Chelsea and how they're playing things out. And the cash flow is United are in a good position right now. Won't be towards the end of the season. So I wouldn't expect loads of January signings. <laughs> and, and we've had no movement on the, the sale of the club. So, you know, that it is what is there in terms of like outside liquidity injection there will be none of that uh, so it, this is all manageable it would seem that like Tottenham are saying absolutely no so if Kane really wanted to come to United he would just have to say okay I'm going to sit here at Spurs for a year well I think what what they might if, if there is an interest still in Kane what they're obviously they want they'd rather Bayern found out the price do a deal with Bayern Spurs agree a price with Bayern and then it's up to Kane to say I'm only going to Man United and you've told us what the price is. That's, that's, that would be the tactic. It, I mean, the tactic of the, there may, it may be just that United aren't, aren't, have decided they can't do it. And the tactic would, of doing nothing would still be what they were doing, having decided they couldn't do this deal. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm sure that, I'm sure that they would have spoken to Kane. And, if they are still interested and think that they can do a deal, they'll be waiting to find out what the price is. And at that point, they'll make a move and make Kane force the issue. But yeah, I, I, obviously it doesn't look like he's going to come to United now. But no. we have signed the centre-forward. He yeah. looks like Mr. Logic for Viz. I mean, I, I, I was going to ask you about this, actually, because this is your uh, area of expertise. That that haircut. What? Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> well, you like to um, comment on people's clothing. I, and- I, I love I love a stupid haircut. I spent my I spent like my child my youth having ridiculous haircuts. So I'm I'm always happy to see one. But he does look like Mr. Logic. He's got three crimes in one though. He's got the centre parting, which is very Beckham era circa nineteen ninety four or something. Later. He's got the blonde the blonde highlights. And then he's it looks like he's got some kind of undercut with a darker colour on the bottom. It, it's a it's, it's a not- shocker. The curtains aren't really long enough for an undercut. The hair, but they, those bit, those yeah, they are a bit flyaway. Those bits, but at the same time, he is a big lad, a sharp guy, he's, um, he's an absolute unit. Is, yeah, 
is nice to see that and he wants to score goals and just having someone having someone do the things that a centre forward should do will make United a better team and if he were to score 15 league goals which doesn't seem like a massive reach no that would that would make quite a significant difference to United and I mean we're going to talk about this in the bonus content so I'm not going to say too much about it now but Another 15 goals in this team at the right times. And you're talking about quite a few more points. And what, yeah. what how, many, how many, and we weren't that many points. Se- 75 off, off last season. 75 points. And what, what, what won it? 80, 89. 85? I think. 89. So, yeah, if he were to score 15 goals, and you could, I mean, obviously, like Rashford would need to stay roughly the same, which we'll see about that. But yep. 15 league goals, and yeah, something something could happen, I guess. Well, it's 15 more than Val Venkos got in the league anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He got as many as, because, as many as we did. Just, uh, <laughs> yes, that's it. it. I will forever take that to my grave. Well, I scored as many although, league goals as Val Venkos. So, so it, what is worse, right? Val Venkos got no goals for United. Terry Gibson got one goal for United. So he scored, and it was a nice, an important goal when they beat Arsenal in the game when Norm kicked them off the pitch. But he scored more goals against United than he did for United, and he played centre forward for United. Terry Gibson. Wow. I, which, well, poor I don't, Terry don't know, Gibson. I don't know which is worse. And he scored goals to beat United. The goals he scored actually, I remember he scored the winner for Coventry once, and then he scored for Wimbledon when we got knocked out of the League Cup. I guess, and probably after he left United. But yeah, but yeah, I think. That feels almost worse to have scored more goals against the club for whom he played centre forward than four. Whereas, well, Val did yeah. get two. They were both in the League Cup, weren't they? Or was it one in no, the no? No, there was one the against Betis. There was yeah, the fourth okay. in the. There was the fourth in with the beat Betis four one. Yeah, and he it, shanked and he that one in from two yards out against Forest in the League Cup. Yeah, knee uh, slide. Poor, poor Vout. I, I, I don't know what is for him because I can't imagine he actually fits into Vincent Company's. You know, Tiki Taka Burnley side apparently got booed in one of the preseason games. Well, I think he's a little harsh. I don't know what they've got against These him. Such dickheads! I, they I, really I, are. And again, like it's not that I don't understand the concept of giving people shit of football. I assure you, but I don't know. Just like what? Why would you get after Val Vegors as a Burnley fan? Like they're suddenly. It is funny that like, we're Arsenal were like this a bit at the beginning under Wenger that they suddenly considered themselves the doyens of style when you've been stinking out the game of football for the last 50 years. Yeah. <laughs> Burnley have had like one one season under Vincent Company, and, and, and suddenly now they're, yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it was the United connection now. The, that uh, it's Guardians of the beautiful game. So, like, just going back to the squad, it, it feels quite a balanced squad now. I mean, there's still a lot of forwards, and I think they'll do something there. And there are, there are clearly players they want to shift out. Van der Beek, Fred, maybe McTominay, Maguire. I, I assume we're going to Brandon see Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams got to go. I mean, he's done nothing on preseason to suggest otherwise now. So there's there's quite a few deals to be done in the next what three weeks. I think we have. They they're all going to have careers, so it's up to the club to get the fee they want, and they seem to be much more sensible about that than we can moan about the fee that we got for some of the players, like some of the youth players at less than a million and Langer at. 15 I don't know maybe that's right maybe it's not enough I just I just look at the benchmark for city players who've never played a minute but that's uh, sort of the point isn't it they've seen a Langer play yeah know, well no that, that that is very true I mean sometimes sometimes like just the that you're paying for potential aren't you with academy players but the other five million so I heard is if United or if Forest qualify for any European cup so I don't know. Doesn't look like they'll secure that five million anytime soon. But anyway, so they've got some deals to do in the next three weeks. I'm, I'm sure they'll thin out the squad. The glaring weakness is still right back. I mean, there's just such compromise with either of those players there, and that feels like the weakest part of the squad now. Or maybe you can say centre forward because we haven't seen Rasmus play, and we don't know whether he can make that that step up. But right back, we definitely know there's a weakness there, and neither of them are quite up to the mark. But there's, there's yeah, not going to be any movement there. Well, it's, it's now, it's Ten Hag's, it's Ten Hag's team, this. Ten Hag's yeah, squad. for sure, yeah. They, he's received better backing than any post-Fergie manager. Yep. He's received better backing than Fergie probably did as yep. well under the Glazers. And 
that is that creates pressure. He's all right for this season, but if we don't challenge for the title this season or next season, and if we haven't won the Champions League or got done really well in the Champions League in that time, he's going to have a problem. And rightly so. I mean, he's picked the players. They've more or less delivered the players that he wanted. Yeah. And they paid what he demanded they paid in order to get the players that he wanted. Yeah, really big sum. So for sure he's going to be under pressure. I mean, that, like, I, of course, I've seen some, like, trolly internet content suggesting United have to make a title challenge. We'll go into this in more detail in the backers pod, but I'd be shocked if City don't win the league by a lot of points this season. They're still way better than everyone else. But can United get nice and close to whoever comes second? And there'll be a big challenge between Arsenal and United. And I suspect Liverpool for for that sort of second, third, fourth spots in the, the Premier League. But that's it. You know, it's, it's going to be a super competitive league, I think, this year because many of the top teams, except for Tottenham, have strengthened and should be better teams than they were next season. And they're settled with good managers. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think the thing with United is also that the players that they've signed aren't just players who Ten Hag thinks are good players. They're players who are going to change the way that United play. In- so settling that style is probably going to take a bit of time. And we're going to have to find ways of winning games at the beginning of the season while that happens. Mm. But by the by the end of this season, United are going to play how United are going to play under yeah. Ten Hag. So, and they're going to have all basically all the players in place, apart from the right back that Ten Hag wants. And it's the same with Arteta. Arteta now has a player he wants in every single position and a player that more or less another player that he thinks is a good enough deputy. And that brings pressure that, yeah, if you if you get given that, you've got you've got to win. And Ten Hag doesn't have to win this season, but he does have to improve. I think there's no way United aren't going to improve. And it's actually it's exciting to see whether they can improve enough to surprise a few people because yeah. it doesn't feel like it's going to take that much for that to be the case. I think United would be a better side, for sure. I think United are going to be a better side. And there's been more time to embed that Ten Hag style. I, I thought we saw in pre-season very significant sort of tones of that, like very distinctly playing out from the back with a six dropping deep, Anana pushing forward and the two the two central defenders splitting so United can use the full width of the pitch to, to beat the first line of the press. Clearly, that's what United are going to do. They did that even with the, the Stiffs playing in games, which was probably quite uncomfortable for Harry Maguire and not to have a go at him particularly, but him in particular, that is like... And to see Tom Heaton... And Tim, Tom Heaton pushing like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you have to play like this, clearly. And, and it's, it's perhaps less comfortable for him, although he doesn't panic like Dave did. Kovar is, when we've seen him, very, very comfortable with his feet, isn't he? He looks much more, much closer to a prototype Ten Hag keeper, I'd say, than any of the other options. Nathan Bishop's obviously gone. So, like, it, it's really close. I think we have a really clear... I mean, uh, the interesting thing was, like, I'm talking about, like, really possession-heavy United, which is obviously what Ten Hag wants. He wants us to be dominant with the ball. But then the other day he said United are one of the best transitional teams in Europe, which we can be as well. And if you think about Rashford, Garnacho, Rasmus Hoyland, Rapid, just how United could play on the break, going to be very dangerous from that, from like the the turnovers as well. Yeah. Yeah. With with the Anthony goal. And I think what I really, what I I kind of realised allows is it means that because he's that third centre-back, where it means that Martinez could go into midfield and there are no there are very few defenders if any in the game that can move the ball in the way that Martinez can and it means that you're getting Martinez the centre back for his defending but also when it comes to getting the ball forward you can get him further forward and get him on the ball and we saw at the end of last season that United struggled to create when he wasn't there and I think that this season we're going to see an even better player than the one we did last season because he's going to have greater scope to to create. All right. Uh, are we feeling good about this season then? Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I think we are. I think the league probably feels a bit too much, but yeah, I, I we can do really we 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 could still do something in the league, and we could definitely do something in Europe because we're good enough to beat any team over two legs or in a one-off if things are going well. So. I would, yeah, I'd really hope to see something proper in the Champions League this season. And it's been a long time and it's been 
since I've felt that we've had a genuine chance of winning the Champions League. Probably the last time was 2010. It's been a long time, and I think that if you get the if if the if if we don't if we get if we don't suffer too badly with injuries, because even so, like you, you don't we've got more options now, but there is, you don't want Varane really or Martinez getting injured. You don't want yeah. Shaw getting injured either, or Bruno. But other than that, we've probably got options. But I think that you could see you could see us do something in Europe if if things if things work out well because yeah we're we're good enough to deal with anyone on a good day. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, Europe's going to be really interesting as well. Back in the Champions League, it's it's not the new format yet, is it? That comes in next season, I think. I think I'm yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's that. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are. So st- standard Champions League format next season is going to be a bit bonkers. Obviously, a, a lot more games, four extra games in the Champions League with this Swiss style model they're bringing in. But yeah, I, I guess they probably financially they'll plan for a quarterfinal exit something like that if United do that and a bit more that's probably like on the development path for this team I want more than quarterfinals in Europe if we I want more than quarterfinals you want more Europe, than quarterfinals should, I mean it obviously it depends how the draw works out yep if you end up getting one of the better teams but the better teams will play in England yeah Madrid look like they might be getting there but perhaps but Barcelona also look like they might be getting there but we should be Barcelona, Bayern, Madrid are teams that this team are all well capable of getting rid of. So I would, if we could avoid, if we could avoid the best, the best, the better teams in the last eight, then yeah, we should be getting beyond that. But it just, yeah, obviously depends how how, how the draw shakes out. It's a knockout. All right, I guess nothing to comment on the takeover. It looks like it's not happening. Which, I mean, months and months of this, months and months of this for for the Glazers to stay there, hoping to milk the upward path just sickener but better than a state taking over not as good as someone else taking over yeah i guess what what a state of affairs what a state of affairs modern football hey fucking hell i guess we're going to be back a couple of times a week as usual through the through the season backers patreon.com forward slash nqat pod we do a show every week where we'll talk about stuff from around around the football landscape. I did ask people what they want. It seems to be that more content about football generally is the, the feedback. So we'll do that, take an issue a week and, and sort of comment on it. For backers this week, we're going to talk some predictions where we see everything shaking out a little bit more beyond United. Really appreciate your support. You can find us on the internet. I'm NQATPod on Twitter. I think I'm something similar on threads, but I never post there. Sorry, I will try. Daniel, you can find it at Daniel Harris on Twitter. You still there? Have you have you left the platform? No, no, I'm 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 still there. It's not Twitter anymore, is it? It's X. Are you Xing? It did such. It's such a weird brand change where you've got a verb. Your brand has become a verb, and you get <laughs> rid X. of it. I don't. To X, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just makes, yeah. Yeah, it's like Manchester United changed their name. At least the Glazers have never done that. <laughs> they thought there was profit oh. in it, they'd do it for sure. We'll see you next week. And for backers, stay tuned. We're going to talk about the Premier League predictions and so on. Bye now. Please. All right, backers. Thank you very much for sticking around. I know we haven't done a lot of content over the summer, but uh, we'll roll from here on in. Talk about some predictions and a little bit wider. Let's start with the Premier League. I mean, it's hard to see beyond City, isn't it? They've strengthened. They didn't get Rice. They tried to. They haven't got another midfielder in there yet. They've kept Bernardo Silva uh, and he might go. I know it seems like Barcelona are interested perpetually, but not able to pony up the fee. And they've added Vardiol. I think that's how you say it. It's a silent G, who is an excellent defender. Oh, really? So apparently oh, so. Yeah. Apparently it's a silent G. I, I'm not an expert in Croatian, so sorry if I've got that wrong. Serbo Croat is, I believe, the language. Yeah, yeah. John Lukic speaks fluent Serbo Croat, which I think I learned from Panini stickers. <laughs> and this is actually the decadence of modern society. Is that? In the Panini stickers, and this is obviously going to sound like old old twat shouting at clouds or whatever, but bear in my day. But the Panini stickers that we got 
we give you a little pen pick of the player afterwards. So we know that Romeo Zondervan was born in Suriname yeah. or that Trevor Putney was born in Harrow on the Hill and so on. And I know that Mike Duxbury, born Accrington's, played 10 times for England, no goals, because it told you that. Yeah. Or Paul Goddard played once for England and scored one goal. It's amazing you've retained all felt, this information as well. Which felt harsh, born Harlow, which felt, which felt <laughs> harsh that you scored once for England and never played again, which was also something that happened to Danny Wallace. Yeah. Who played a friendly, this is not from, he played a friendly just before the 86 World Cup against Egypt, where the fringe players played more or less. And he scored and never played again. But whereas now, like the match attacks and stuff, you don't really, you don't get any information. You're not, you're not actually learning anything apart from who the players are. Yeah. I haven't seen a Panini sticker in years. I resorted with my older son to, there's a artist collective based in Switzerland who do stuff for tournaments. They didn't do one for the Qatar World Cup, but they've done everything for the last six or seven tournaments, which we've been getting those, which are really excellent, I have to say. And so, yeah, I haven't had a Panini sticker in, since I was a kid. I think I forgot. I was trying to make the point. You, are you, you were making a point about how crap Panini stickers are and you were shouting at clouds about it. No, no, Panini stickers are good, but I can't remember why. What it was that triggered me to be talking See, about See, that's even Panini more stickers. old man, that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Start pointing, right. you can't finish it because you've forgotten it. But and... I can tell you where Romeo Zontabal was born. I have an anecdote about Danny Wallace. We were, I was with the, one of the supporters clubs when I was younger traveling to games and we saw him and he was down by the keys and it was before like everything being smartened up and we were kicking this ball around having had several pints and we we're like danny danny kick us the ball and he kicked it into the fucking water and just one turn off <laughs> <laughs> like sh- test of his pace test of his finish <laughs> yeah that's it uh-huh. um so we were talking about Guardiola, talking about City, by the way. Guardiola looks like he's summered well. Jesus. Yeah, so he's got a bit of tan, isn't he? Yeah.